Welcome to Casa de Cambio. On today's episode of Casa de Cambio, I am so excited to be joined by Louisa Stevenson. Welcome, Lou. Thank you. Thanks, Tash. Thanks for having me on. Good to be having some social interaction now that we're months into the latest stint of restrictions. I know, I know. And on that, uh, how is your week going? Because it's Friday today. So have you had a good week? Yeah, major event, definitely the earthquake, uh, significant event this week. Um, Hopefully we don't have any aftershocks today during our chat. I'm not sure my strategy of running onto my first floor cantilevered balcony in case my building collapsed was the (laughs) best idea. Uh, When I listened to the experts talk about what to do in an earthquake later on the news, that was definitely not one of the strategies they recommended. Well, we don't know (laughs) because we don't have earthquakes here so yeah. I think everyone was uh, well so you know this because we texted but I didn't feel the earthquake and I've got yeah. massive FOMO because <laughs> people like one street away or two streets away from me were like whoa my whole building yeah. like, what's wrong with me I was at home making a cup of tea <laughs> and then all these people were asking and I was like what <laughs> yeah that is so bizarre isn't it um I, just, I feel yeah. like somebody suggested it's because I don't have a soul um oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's definitely not it definitely not that definitely not it I heard the seismologist say that some people didn't feel it and even the seismologist that was on the news said he didn't feel it and his wife called him and said there's just been an earthquake come home so he was out bushwalking or something and didn't feel it uh, you know where he was yeah. at the time so yeah. yeah nothing to do with you <laughs> don't worry about that um so apart from the earthquake have you had a good week yeah, not too bad. Um, things look like they're getting a little bit better, you know, with some restrictions being lifted. So keen to get out and enjoy that as long as it's not raining. Not much of a picnic day today. So I, know. I feel like that happened last year. They said you can go outside and have picnics and then the weather was just so bad. And if yeah. I was like, well, what am I going to yeah. do here with this? And it's the yeah. same, like I went for my walk just before because, yeah, the weather's starting to turn and it's going to be cold and rainy all weekend. But that's also yeah. okay. Or maybe it'll change. Maybe Sunday will be all right. I'm staying yeah. optimistic. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, today I'm so excited to finally get you on the pod because we've been speaking about you coming on the podcast for a little while and it's finally happening and you're going to talk about emotional intelligence, which I am so um yeah, I'm just thrilled to be having this discussion with you because it is such an important part of being a good change manager and being a good change leader. So it's, yeah, so good to have somebody on who is an expert in that topic. But before we get into that, there's a couple of questions I ask every guest who comes onto the podcast. And the first one is, what are you currently watching, reading or listening to? Yeah, so I am completely obsessed, I think that's fair to say, with renovation and interior design shows. I think because I'm so determined to learn how to make my home much more enjoyable to spend so much time in, and I've watched every Grand Designs episode ever recorded, (laughs) uh, which is quite quite a feat, and Restoration Australia, and things like Queer Eye More Than a Makeover, which I think they have a really good feel-good element to them. So, yeah loving absolutely loving those and I think I've nearly convinced myself that I can start making my own furniture maybe just with a quick workshop lesson at Bunnings when they reopen (laughs) but somehow I think my lockdown brain's playing tricks on me combined with the shows I watch making things look maybe a bit easier than they actually are so I might might just leave it to the professionals at this stage I think but I think Um, that's the thing is like you can have a go at doing things yourself and why not because maybe it will go really well. Maybe it won't work out, but at least you had a go and tried it. 
yet. I might give it a crack. We'll see how we go. Um, but also on a more, I suppose, professional note, I've just listened to the latest episode from the Dare to Lead podcast with Brene oh, Brown. Yeah. Um, and most people probably know Brene from her her TED talk, The Power of Vulnerability, one of the most viewed yeah. TED talks. Um, and she was talking to a social psychologist, Amy Cuddy, someone I've also followed for a while. Um, and they were talking about how the recent stage of the pandemic makes many of us feel really anxious despite things getting better. Mm. And they talked about collectively optimism levels are really high overall when restrictions get eased and things look like they're going to get better, like higher rates of vaccination. And, but they discussed how people are actually feeling um, more anxious because they expect to feel euphoric and happy. Yeah. And then they're really stressed out that they don't feel that way, um, you know, when restrictions get eased and things like that. So um, that actually made me reflect on how I'd been yeah. feeling a sense of pressure to have a great time when you know Melbourne's restrictions were eased so many times over the last year or 18 months and I remember, I think I'd set my expectations so high um, that I ended up stressed and not enjoying things despite being so desperate to get out to the countryside and do something yeah. I hadn't been able to do for so long um, and so I was really relieved when I heard this podcast highlighting mm. this as a common experience yeah. And even a well-known psychological phenomenon called effective or emotion forecasting, where people yeah. are poor at predicting how their what their future emotions might be. So whether they're going to be pleasant or unpleasant, people typically predict that they're going to feel much better than they do for longer than they do. And the opposite's also true. People predict they'll feel much worse for longer than they usually do. So I think mm. this concept has really helped to normalise what many people might be experiencing at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Because I remember like how I was feeling probably around this time last year because restrictions were starting to ease. We were, you know, coming out of our um, second wave and lockdown. And I thought, oh, well, there's, you know, vaccines on the way. And I think I, you know, a lot of us kind of thought, well, the vaccine's going to be the silver bullet and we'll just get the vaccine and then everyone will get it and it's going to be amazing and COVID will be completely gone and, we, yeah. you know, and we will have forgotten about it. And then like realising yeah. this year is just as bad as last yeah. year even, yeah. you know, because then there's things like bungled vaccine rollouts and yeah. anti-vax protest and you're like, oh. And the new strain and, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. New, stra new yeah. strains that are, you know, or variants. And, yeah, yeah. and just having that realisation that, okay, um, COVID's here to stay and, yeah, like, you know, we all need to learn to live with it and um, yeah. in our yeah. own way, that's been yeah. quite difficult. And, yeah, I thought this year was just going to be so amazing and it's been kind of the same yeah. as last year. But at the same time, yeah, it didn't take that long to process and went all right. Um, back on the podcast train and <laughs> doing all the things you were doing last year. Um, yep, throw yourself amazing. into something. Yeah. Well, make sure that that podcast, because I, I love Brene as well, is included in the show notes so the listeners can access it. Um, but that was a really good recommendation. The other question I wanted to ask is, what is the best piece of career advice you ever received? Yeah, so I think probably 
do what you love for work, which I suppose most of, most of us have heard at some point or many points in, our, in recent times. But I finally listened to this advice when I made a career change to focus on emotional intelligence or AI. Yeah. Um, and I'd researched AI in my honours year at university as an undergrad. And I loved the topic back then. But it was actually, I think, another decade before I made the career change to focus on AI development. And I think one of the main reasons why I love working on it is because it, the key focus is supporting other people to enjoy their work more, um, which is just so important for well-being. And I think another reason I love working on it is because um, a key part is learning strategies to increase positive emotions in ourselves and others, um, which is obviously so important for well-being. But a lot of people don't realise how much positive emotions are linked to performance. So positive emotions might be things like feeling valued, hopeful, trusted, supported, or feeling like you're doing purposeful work. And something I've noticed when working with others is that people too often don't love their work because they feel less of these positive emotions and instead feel unpleasant or difficult emotions like feeling overly worried or feeling distrust uh, or perhaps not feeling supported enough by, by leadership or their organisation. So my key motivation is to support more people in developing AI so they can create workplace environments and build relationships that help them and other people enjoy their work or love their work more. So, yeah, so that's probably the, the best advice. I wish I'd taken a, a little bit earlier in my career. Yeah, <laughs> but don't we Better all. late than never, right? <laughs> of course, absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, that's a really good segue into the topic of today, which is emotional intelligence. So starting at the very beginning, um, what is emotional intelligence? Yeah, okay, so AI or emotional intelligence is a set of skills that help us do several different things. Um, so I'll break it down. AI helps us perceive emotions in ourselves and others. So for example, that might be noticing that you are snacking on unhealthy food more often because you're feeling worried about something, mm -hmm. or it might be noticing that someone's stressed based on how quickly they're speaking. Um, it's also about understanding emotions in yourself and in others. So sticking with the same example, if you were snacking on more unhealthy food because you felt worried, you'd be able to identify exactly what's worrying you and why. And you can also notice and understand any thoughts or associated urges you might have at the same time you're experiencing an emotion. Yeah. So, um, for example, if lately you found yourself snacking on more unhealthy food or drinking more alcohol than usual, mm -hmm. um, which I think many people can relate mm -hmm. to, <laughs> you, you might be able to identify feelings of worry about impacts of the pandemic or feelings of boredom from restrictions um, and you would have been able to reflect on specific thoughts that you were having, such as maybe, is my job less secure? Or what would happen if my family caught COVID? Um, and you would have been able to identify those feelings of worry and boredom were increasing your urge to comfort, eat or drink more alcohol. So it's about understanding why you're having emotions. What's, what are the causes of those emotions? It's also about how you express emotions to others. Yeah. So when you feel worried or stressed, 
how often are you able to keep an appropriate tone of voice yeah. or how often does your irritation level reveal itself in your tone of voice? Yeah. I think a lot of us could relate to that, uh, to that lately. Yeah. So consider over the past 18 months, have you been experiencing, or if you've been experiencing increased stress, which I think most of us have, mm-hmm. you might've been using an unhelpful tone of voice more often perhaps at work or at home. I think typically we find it more challenging in our home life um, than at work because we're, we're more comfortable in, at home often. So mm. um, yeah, it's about expressing our emotions effectively. And it's also about the words we use and don't use when we are feeling perhaps stressed. So um, avoiding using the word you, such as you've made a mistake, that because that might ex- express frustration or come across as aggressive. Um, it's also acknowledging someone when they speak and, yeah. um, oh, sorry, I, I, yeah, it's, and it's also, if you're feeling frustrated, um, if you don't acknowledge someone that might convey frustration. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and it's also about maybe another example might be not talking over the top of someone because that mm-hmm. might express frustration in an unhelpful way. Um, yeah, so it's about expressing emotions effectively. Um, and it's also how you reason with emotions. So how much weight do you give to emotions when making decisions? How yeah. effectively do you distinguish between your emotions and facts and balance these when making decisions? So this skills about how effectively you include other people's emotions as well as your own. And an example, sticking with the COVID theme, I'm sure we're all sick of hearing about it, but it's so relevant. Um, When making a decision about COVID vaccination, how much weight did you give to your emotions versus other people's emotions? And how much consideration did you give to statistics relating to effects of being vaccinated versus not being vaccinated? And how much did you listen to your family and friends' opinions? And where did you get your information from? And did you access credible sources? So it's about balancing all that information to make expansive, effective decisions. And lastly, um, one that many people, one of the key skills of EI that many people find quite, quite challenging is it's about managing your emotions within yourselves and others. So for example, when you recognize you're feeling worried about something, what range of strategies do you draw on to manage your worry? Mm. And how helpful are those strategies? Or do mm. they cause problems, other problems for yourself and for others? So this skill is also about helping others to manage their emotions. So think about what specific things you might have done to help family, friends or colleagues to manage their stress. So yeah. that's the long answer <laughs> yeah. of what EI is. So there, there are a lot of different skills in emotional intelligence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, of course, it's quite a broad um, range of capabilities that make up emotional intelligence. And the other thing I wanted to ask is how is it different from EQ? Because a lot of people use those two terms interchangeably. So can you explain yeah. to the listeners how they're different? Yeah, good question. Um, EQ and EI actually often used interchangeably. Yeah. So EQ stands for emotional quotient, which is similar mm. to IQ, which stands for intelligence quotient. Yeah. And quotient just means the degree of something or amount of something. But both terms, both the terms EQ and EI have been used interchangeably over the past 30 years in academic literature and by organisations who specialise in emotional intelligence. So 
it's fair enough that it's really confusing and some people quite get quite confused and some people get quite irritated about this topic. Um, some companies and researchers use one term more than others mm. or more than the other. Um, but in an attempt to be consistent and avoid adding to confusion, I try to just use one term nowadays. So I just stick with AI. But it's really arbitrary. I mean, I decided to use the term EI instead of EQ because I use a measure that tests uh, test behaviour rather than ability. So I use a measure that tests how people use emotional knowledge rather than how much emotional knowledge they have. And the measure I use is not about right or wrong or how much intelligence someone has, but rather how people, how colleagues perceive their use of EI behaviour. But yeah. in general, um, people just need to remember that they can use either term. It's arbitrary <laughs> and it's interchangeable. So don't yeah. stress about it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Good, good, good. Um, so I'm glad we've cleared that up. So how, I mean, emotional intelligence, AI, EQ, it's almost like a buzzword that gets thrown around a lot saying, you know, we want people who have high EQ. Like why is it so important in the workplace today? to have strong emotional intelligence? Yeah, so um, lots and lots of different reasons. Um, in terms of being self-aware and aware of other people, it's so important because it helps us to be more intentional with our impact on ourselves and on others. And it helps us to not be ruled by our emotions and regret the way we might act. It helps us to view other people's perspectives and predict how people might respond. Yeah. And it helps, it helps us support people to feel more valued and appreciated and to appropriately, appropriately acknowledge uh, other people's opinions and feelings. And perhaps most importantly, from a leadership perspective, it helps us to notice when someone needs support and to provide this support, provide this support in an appropriate way. Yep. And it helps leaders balance achieving results with people's needs. Um, so that's one key part of it. Another reason AI is really important in the workplace is because it enables us to build trust through authentically expressing how we feel and considering timing. When we express how we feel, you know, picking the right time, considering the degree with which we express ourselves and also the audience. Yeah. Um, and appropriately expressing how we feel helps us create understanding, openness, and feelings of trust in others. Whereas people who are guarded uh, and avoid conflict or inappropriately blunt about the way they feel can create mistrust um, with those that they work with. And leaders need their people to be open with them. So if a leader doesn't role model authentic behavior and appropriately express how they feel, yeah. then it's really likely that the, the, their direct reports will be guarded with them. Mm. Uh, and social neuroscience has actually found that when leaders always present a hero persona, and that just means never expressing emotions like worry, anxiety, sadness, they can actually create mistrust and disconnection with people around them. Okay. And, yeah, so um, because I think everybody intuitively knows that we're all human beings and we all feel those emotions at some mm. point in time. And so if we're not demonstrating those in an appropriate way, um, it's, it's incongruent with what we, 
what we know about the person versus what we see. So this creates mistrust, which can lead to a fear of confrontation where people might be fearful to say how they feel and raise important issues with leaders. Whereas leaders who authentically and appropriately express how they feel are more likely to be perceived as genuine yeah. and trustworthy. So that's a really, really important element of why it's important at work. Mm -hmm. Another key skill um, is around emotional reasoning, which I touched on earlier. Yeah. It's really important at work because it uses, um, it uses this skill of emotional reasoning and uh, emotional reasoning from yourself and others means uh, it's important that you combine um, facts and figures and emotions when making decisions and consider other people's emotions. So people low in this skill make limited decisions at work based on facts and technical data alone. Mm -hmm. And if people don't make decisions that balance emotional information, they're going to be less likely to gain support for new ideas or changes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Sorry. For me, yeah. I just want to expand yeah. on that a little bit because I feel like that one is kind of so key to change management because absolutely part of the reason changes fall over or don't get adopted or don't go well is because people have considered the technical aspects or, you know, monetary things only, and they actually haven't considered the impact or how it's going to impact people or how people might feel about it and, you know, how we help, you know, build their capability to adopt the change and all of that stuff. So I feel, yeah, sorry, I just wanted to call that out. <laughs> absolutely. I think that's probably, yeah, absolutely one of the most important AI skills in terms of a change perspective. Definitely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyway, you were going to say something else. Yeah. No, I was also going to talk about um, from an individual perspective, um, for our decision making to be effective, we need to be activating and listening to both the rational and emotional parts of our brain. Yeah. So when different sides of your brain aren't integrated, meaning you're listening to one side more than the other, then your decisions will effectively be impaired because your yeah. brain isn't functioning as a whole. Yeah. So if you activate and listen to the rational side of your brain more, mm -hmm. then you'll be more rigid and, and inflexible in your decision-making. Or if you activate and listen to the emotional part of your brain more, then your decision-making will be, will might be more chaotic and disorganized. So when we get stressed, we typically, most of us typically default to using one side more than the other. Yep. Yep. No, I know what mine is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm it, on the emotional side. <laughs> but a lot of people are on the other side. So it's really important that we learn how to make um, decisions that balance both, you know, that activate both parts of the brain and use both, both um, facts and emotional information. Amazing. And so, yeah, speaking of, you know, reverting back to, because I see that a lot in change as well, when, you know, a change is being implemented, particularly at the time where things get a little bit hard, people do revert back to, you know, their old way of doing things because it's what they know and it's what they feel comfortable with because they've been doing it for a long time, particularly if they're under pressure. And I, and I see that as well in, you know, if you're dealing with people who, you know, they have a day job, but they're asked to help implement a change in addition to their day job and they get really busy. It's easier to focus on the day job because that's what they know and they feel more, you know, productive doing that. So I see that a lot um, in my career as a change manager. But I also wanted to ask, you know, can we learn how to get better at our ER? Like, because I feel like some people naturally have, a, you know, a really good 
sense of people and emotional intelligence and others struggle with it? Like, are you born with it or can you learn it? Yeah, so I think we're born with an innate level of AI, but just like other skills, the extent to which we are taught to demonstrate AI uh, either implicitly or explicitly by uh, our parents and other people as we're growing up plays a huge role in our AI development. But the good news is that while the nature and nurture set the foundations for our AI, Decades of research has shown that people can significantly develop emotional intelligence. So research has actually shown that AI assessment and development programs can improve AI by an average of 20%, which I think is pretty significant. Yeah. Um, but like any skill, though, uh, AI development is going to depend on your motivation. So whether you value AI and you're driven to demonstrate it. And it's also going to depend on opportunity to practice. So if you live alone at the moment or you're not working or you're working remotely with few meetings, you might have less opportunities to practice AI than someone who's regularly interacting with others. And like any skill, we can become rusty when we're not practicing often enough. Um, and But I, I think self-reflection and feedback are critical in developing our AI. I don't think anyone who's self-aware would say that they can't improve a skill further, whatever that skill might be. Yeah. Um, I don't think anyone ever says, right, I'm done. I've nailed leadership. I've, I've nailed it completely. There's no room for improvement. I don't need to, I don't need to do any more. Well, some, um, some people do say that, but they yeah, do. they're not the ones with high EI. <laughs> but that's where the self-awareness, that's yeah. where the self-awareness comes in. Um, so um, I think it's also uh, important to remember that there are so many different skills or the six key different skills in AI and typically we're stronger with some AI skills than others yeah. and even if some skills are a strength there are yeah, there are always ways to improve um, and I think for all of us there are times when we don't use AI effectively that's just part of being yeah. human you yeah. know when we're really stressed tired unwell or perhaps when we're working with people we find difficult when we're working with people we find particularly difficult it's much harder to use use our AI effectively. Yeah. I find for me, if I get really um, blindsided by something, I find it hard to have a high AI response because that, you know, I feel like once you've triggered that amygdala response mm -hmm. and it can be different for every people, for, it can be different for different people. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to come back from that because you can almost feel like the blood rushing. Cause I go red yeah. if I'm getting angry or yeah. upset or frustrated and you can feel the blood rushing to your face and you you're like, I know it's happening. I'm like, Oh no, it's happening. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm losing control yeah. of my yeah. emotions. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, like everybody has a different trigger. And I know like sometimes I've been in, you know, like you've been presenting to a big group and you know, you feel like you're being attacked like that mm. one is mm. not a fun. And then you just like can feel your body starting. To, yeah. And you, you just think, okay, I've got to try and get myself out of this situation because I'm probably going to get upset or say yeah. something unprofessional. Um, so yeah, yeah I mean, nobody can do it. I mean, I'm sure there are people who can do it all the time and they're probably in like, you know, politicians, for example, like I often think about the premiers, how they have to do their daily press and, you yeah. know, they get asked yeah. all these attacking questions and they just are really calm and answer all the questions. I would just, I wouldn't be able to do that. <laughs> I would cry and run away. I'd be like, oh. <laughs> I don't so, know. Well, I think, I think one of the things that politicians are really good at, or some of them, is presenting calm outwardly. 
but they yeah. might be experiencing similar emotions that you know that we might experience in that situation but they're really good at you know demonstrating that calm uh, yeah. out, outwardly but ai is also about managing the emotions on you know internally so that we can yeah. feel less of those intense emotions and um yeah. uh, you know i'm definitely not saying politicians yeah. have high emotional intelligence because there's a lot of <laughs> lack of empathy and other problematic yeah. behaviors yeah. that i have yeah. often thought about you know yeah. like what my strengths are and what my weaknesses are and mm. like i just think mm. yeah i couldn't do that i don't think mm. i could do that every day and just be calm yeah because you know if you got angry or you reacted or you got upset like that would be yeah. all over the news and it would be like haha we've got you yeah um, <laughs> anyway um yeah. i went off on a bit of a tangent yeah, sorry yeah. But it's good no to- that's really interesting because you talked about the amygdala reaction and um unfortunately our brains uh were designed so many years ago and they haven't actually caught up with with how we live today and so Mm. that amygdala fight flight freeze response it actually is designed our brains are designed in a way where it shuts down your thinking part of your brain and uh, it's so that you can react in an automatic really quick way Um, so that's why so many of us when we do feel those intense emotions we might do something that we regret later because we haven't stopped to think about it but um, through AI development, one of the things that I focus on supporting people with is actually managing those amygdala reactions and teaching people how to activate that thinking part of the brain so they don't <sighs> react in such an automatic way. Let's talk about that because the next question I wanted to ask is what are some of the steps that someone can take to improve their emotional intelligence? So yeah, tell us. So, tell us your secrets. Um, yeah, so typically, as I mentioned, you can... AI development programs, the research has shown that you can increase your AI by an average of 20%. Um, and typically AI programs include group workshops uh, and AI assessments and individual coaching. So it's really useful to baseline your AI with an assessment before yeah. starting AI yeah. skills workshops and then repeating the assessment after completing the workshops to see how much you've developed. Uh, I also think it's helpful if workshops focus on one AI skill at a time, because as you've heard, there's quite Mm. a bit to it. And I think people don't realize how many different elements there are. And that's just the quickest, quite a summarized version that I've given you today (laughs) for the purpose of the podcast. Um, So focusing on one skill at a time is great because it gives people the opportunity to go and put a skill into practice before learning the next skill. Uh, The model of AI that I use includes six key skills. And I like to provide a group workshop on one of each of the six skills uh, each week, ideally. And also AI assessments and coaching can add a lot of value because they are personalized for the individual. Confidential, completely confidential um, results are only ever seen by the person who is participating and by myself as the coach. And um, they really, assessments really, provide further insight into how effectively someone's demonstrating AI to the people that they work with because we're not mind readers we we, yeah and and other people's emotions is their own reality other person's perceptions of their own reality we've all had vastly different experiences so Mm. how someone rates you isn't about you being right or wrong a reflection of um, a reflection of you necessarily it's really just about understanding what it's like for others um, and how you can be more flexible in your approach in working with others. So it's really important to to, um, seek that feedback because if people aren't given the opportunity to share their feelings in a way that 
elicits candor in an anonymous format, then this is a missed opportunity to understand perceptions and feelings and to act on these. We can't yeah. change what we don't know. Yeah. So, yeah, so assessments and, and workshops. Yeah, and collecting data. I found personally found the EI assessment really helpful because um, you did one on me like four <laughs> years ago, yeah. quite a number of years ago. Um, yeah, you were one, one of my guinea pigs. <laughs> yeah, and I loved being your guinea pig, but I found it super helpful. And I think um, I'm not, because uh, I'm, you know, having a crack at my own business, as the listeners know, I'm not in a position where I've got, a team of people reporting to me but I think next time I have that position I need to get another one done because yeah. the assessment like it gave me a couple of really clear areas for development so in terms of my leadership journey I even just knowing that's what I needed to develop and it none of the feedback really came as a surprise to me it was like yeah I know I do that and now I can understand the impact um, that these actions of mine are having on others around me, like you said. And I even being aware of it, because I think I um, I went in, after I had the assessment done, I went into a new role and I had a team reporting into me. And like, I think the listeners know, because I've talked about this once before in the podcast, one of the things I really wanted to work on was when I'm really stressed or I'm really busy or, you know, like under a lot of pressure, not kind of letting everyone else know about it because it can impact them. So I went into a role where it was like the most, one of the most stressful roles I've ever had and one of the most stressful projects I've ever done. And I had a team and they were very stressed and I was like, okay, they cannot know how stressed I'm in because they're already so stressed. You know, I can't put it onto them, but I might've gone too much the other way because they actually had no idea. And I was like, well, maybe I could have been a bit more authentic and sharing, Hey, you know, this is quite difficult for me too. And you're doing mm -hmm. it. Yeah. But it ended up, I thought, oh yeah, I've, you know, just even being aware of that and thinking this is how I need to conduct myself, I think mm -hmm. made a difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think you've talked about something that a lot of people experience where they think, okay, I, I need to hide my stress from others because I don't want to impact them. Mm. Um, but if other people are feeling stressed and they think you're holding Fine. all together and not yeah. feeling stressed, that can actually make people feel yes. potentially um, less you know, than, wonder, or why I'm am not, I not, yeah. you know, why am I not managing it She's as well handling as, it. as Why Tash can't is. I handle it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So I think it's about expressing how you feel in an appropriate way without putting a stress onto others, rather yeah. having a shared experience where you can really relate to each other about what's going on mm. um so I think mm. I think that's the difference and doing it in an appropriate way yeah yeah and so if you do your assessments you do your learning um and you improve and and you know uplift your emotional intelligence what are the benefits of that like why should people do it and work on it yeah so there are so many studies over the past 30 years that have found that a relationship between EI and so many different variables like leadership, career advancement, resilience, uh, just to name a few. And others, other studies have found a link between EI and skills like stress management. And who doesn't want to be more effective at stress management? Relationship skills, again, I think absolutely fundamental to our well-being um, and the quality of our lives, both at work and in our personal lives. Yeah. Uh, communication skills. And studies have shown that AI is linked with physical and mental health, as well as performance and job satisfaction. And all these things are linked. So um, I think 
one of my favorites and one of the most important benefits is the ability to communicate in a more effective way, in a more, to use assertive communication rather than other unhelpful communication styles like avoidance, aggression, or passive aggression, or even manipulation. So if we use unhelpful communication styles too often with others, it can actually threaten our relationships. So our ability to use assertive communication, even when we feel stressed, is critical to our relationships and conflict management, yet both at work and in our personal lives. So um, EI, managing our emotions, helps us to avoid those unhelpful communication um, techniques or strategies and helps us to maintain that assertive communication. So appropriate tone of voice, body language, eye contact, um, keeping issues focused with sp specific suggestions for changes, um, not using generalized statements like you always or you never, um, no power posing, <laughs> no power posing, leaning back in a chair and, and power <laughs> posing, uh, no squinty, narrowy eyes when someone's talking to you about something, no furrowed brow, um, no intense staring or averted what eye about, contact. What about if you're quite a tall woman and you know you're going to deal with a difficult stakeholder, so you decide to wear extra high heels to the difficult <laughs> meeting? Is that bad? <laughs> Not that I'm doing that at the moment, but I used to enjoy doing that um, <laughs> some years ago. I don't know. I've never actually thought about that one. I'm not a tall person myself, so <laughs> I'd have to think about that a bit. I'm not really sure um, how that might work for you in that situation. I think it really depends who, you, who you're dealing with, um, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, another thing you've mentioned is like, I want to talk about or just see if I can get your advice on emotional intelligence and change because all of the things that we've been talking about today, I feel are so, you know, relate so strongly to leading and managing change. And one thing that is very common amongst really good change practitioners is they have high levels of empathy and often quite high levels of emotional intelligence because you talked about being able to have difficult conversations, remaining calm, um, you know, because change often you have to manage, you know, everybody always wants to talk about managing difficult stakeholders and managing resistance to change. And you can't do that um, unless you have high emotional intelligence. And I find the change managers who are not very good change managers usually have pretty poor you know, and it, yes, there are change managers out there who have poor communication skills <laughs> and poor emotional intelligence. So do you have any advice for the change uh, practitioners who listen to the podcast on how EI is important for them and why they should harness it? And, you know, and if they think they already do have a high EI, why they should aspire to do even better and learn even more about it? Yeah, so I think um, maybe one of the, the key elements there is engagement. So EI helps us to uh, increase engagement from the people that we're working with. Engagement is so important, not only day to day, but when, especially when going through change programs. And um, really interestingly, um, there was a study of over 2 million working Americans that found only 26% of employees are engaged. And yeah. that's not I don't think they were looking at change programs at that point in time either. So mm. people with high levels of AI um, 
report high levels of engagement, they have high level, high, less days off, um, they're less likely to leave their job, either voluntarily or involuntarily. And EI enables leaders or change managers to support employee engagement by ensuring people feel that they care about them and that they care about their development. So leaders with high EI make, make sure their teams receive regular recognition, appreciation. Um, so it's really win-win and, and that supports engagement and performance. So that's really win-win for the individual and for the organization. Um, and it also helps pay, helps change managers have difficult conversations with, um, with people. And uh, so one of the key elements of having uh, difficult conversations and doing that well is avoiding a soft sell approach. So not sugarcoating things. Yes. Um, and it's also not having a hard sell approach. So mm. not um, saying, yeah. telling them how it's going to happen. Yeah, you can't but ram rather things down people's throat. Yeah. Exploring, having a collaborative approach, exploring, asking people how they feel about mm. things, mm. Um, coming up with solutions and coming up with suggestions for how things could be easier or how things um, might work best for that that person so um, it's also you know the communication I talked about before so not using new statements and just checking in with how people are feeling and also demonstrating your own vulnerability and being authentic so if you're having a difficult conversation you might talk about something that you found difficult in your career when you were going through something similar or something yeah. um, something related yep. in some way um so uh yes yeah, so they're probably some of the key things i'd recommend but there's a lot lot more to it than that but yeah, yeah. in the interest <laughs> of the podcast um I, I think there's some of the well the, you can't uh, give me all your ip in, a, no, in 40 no. minutes <laughs> just download all of ei <laughs> oh i'm good at talking i'm good at talking i probably could if you let me tash <laughs> um so another thing I wanted to uh, talk about is you've talked about before assessments and workshops, which you run assessments and workshops. So why don't you tell the listeners a little bit, a little bit more about what that entails and how they can get involved? Yeah, sure. So um, I've developed DI workshops, which can be tailored to either leaders or to other levels in the organisation. And the workshops explore the six core skills of EI, which I've gone through briefly, and they're split into six 90-minute sessions. So um, the workshops provide lots of evidence-based strategies for how people can manage their emotions and their actions in a more intentional and helpful way. And they, the workshops draw on years of credible peer-reviewed research um, and examples are used throughout to make concepts really relevant and memorable. Um, I've provided AI development programs across multiple sectors, industries and organisational levels, um, trying to draw on my own experiences in the business world as well as academia. And... Uh, the workshops I've created are really designed to encourage people to share their experiences and insights with others. So this really generates interesting discussions and gives people the chance to share common AI-related issues. Um, also, as a certified AI assessment coach, I offer confidential AI assessments and individual coaching, and which, as I mentioned earlier, provides a really personalised AI development um, approach. 
uh, where results are only seen by myself and the participant. And <laughs> uh, importantly, though, feedback's delivered in a really objective, non-judgmental way. Yes, so having your feedback delivery to me when we had our session was very good. Um, oh, good. I'm, glad. I'm glad it was a pleasant experience for you because yeah, no, it's you confronting. Would... You know, I've, I've done one of them as well and I was yeah. really nervous before. It is hard like hearing that kind of commentary, but at the same time, it's so necessary for growth and development. And I think when you have, yeah, like an objective person who isn't one of your peers and who isn't one of your coworkers talking you through that because I know in the past when I've had you know if there's something happening at work it can be hard to hear feedback from you know somebody that you think is trying to undermine you or you know somebody who maybe you're not getting along with that well and I've also found in the past like and this is another like irony of emotional intelligence is the managers and leaders I've had who are the best leaders are the ones who are most open to feedback and I feel the most comfortable and like I have the high psychological safety in Uh just saying hey you know this was blah 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 and then the ones that I am feeling like maybe you know they probably need to work on the AI are the ones that I feel quite um I guess hesitant to provide mm. the feedback in the first place because I don't think it's really wanted or welcome mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um anyway I went off on, on another tangent but mm. I, I love tangents <laughs> love tangents I am very good at tangents myself so love it but I think yeah the assessment is so good um yeah and I you know couldn't recommend it enough people sometimes when you do the assessments it's really interesting how just small changes can make a huge difference to how people perceive you. So it yeah. might just be that, you know, you've been really busy at work lately. You haven't been stopping for a personable, personable chat um, mm. at any point in the day or maybe any point in the week. Yeah. And so people are feeling really sort of distant, um, yeah. distant from you and you're not really, you know, you're so focused on getting meeting deadlines and, and deliverables and you're forgetting about the importance of the human element. Um, Mm. and the fact that you're a team and you're in an organisation with other people and how effectively people work together is so fundamental. I mean, that's why we do it. That's why we don't all work individually because we can create synergy working together. So little changes like maybe just saying thank you more often um, or showing appreciation um, are really, really powerful or just stopping for a a quick chat here and there. Mm. They can make a huge difference and I've actually seen when people have done assessments they've been rated much higher just from in the the second time they've done it just from making a tiny change like that so yeah yeah, so yeah really really powerful yeah that's what I was going to say before I remember when I first met you which I think is nearly 12 years ago now when we first met oh gosh I haven't counted the years (laughs) no but you you were talking about EI and that's what you were passionate about and you were starting that journey to put all of this together. And I'm so stoked to see that not, I mean, not only have you been, you know, operating in this space for a while, but you're now, you know, doing the assessments and delivering the workshops yourself. And it's just so good to see. Yeah. So well done. Well done. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's great to be, you know, really throwing myself into it now. Um, I'm loving it. Yeah, yeah, looking forward to looking forward to what's ahead. Yeah, and speaking of what's ahead, we're partnering. Sorry, if the <laughs> listeners, which I'm so excited about as well. So if the listeners want to 
um, know more about the EI workshops or assessments, you can contact me or Louisa because um, we're actually partnering and offering some of these products through Customer which I'm so excited to launch because I think it's going to be so complementary to building change capability, which is my thing. Um, so yeah, give us a buzz. And before we wrap up, Lou, is there anything else or any other pieces of advice that you'd like to give to the Custer Cambio listeners? Oh, well, EI related? <laughs> <laughs> well, anything. Could be EI, could be general life advice. Oh, gosh, I don't think I'm equipped to give, uh, give general life advice. Um Oh, maybe I'll keep it light. So maybe maybe I'll make it a little bit EO relevant. Maybe I'll keep it light. I think um, one of the key things I'm learning, and I, every time I deliver this CI training, it just refreshes things for me and it mm. helps me implement it, um, implement it more effectively in my own life. So part of me doing this work just really keeps me fit in emotional yeah. intelligence. Um, but um, one of the key things I'd probably say, especially during this time, is be kind to yourself. Um, really practice that self-compassion. Yeah. Um, try to notice those judgments that we all make on ourselves that I should be doing more, I should be doing less of this, and um, and just really be kind to yourself during this time. And um, that will help you to um, take the pressure off of yourself and be kinder to others as well because typically how we treat other people is how we're feeling with ourselves and how we're treating ourselves. So, yeah, it's probably my, That's my good key recommendation for That's the good moment. Advice. This is fun. You gave that to me before we hit record as well. <laughs> <laughs> but it is good advice. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, yeah, it's been such a pleasure having you on the podcast. This is a great episode and I can't wait for people to hear it. Um, and for the listeners, if you enjoy the podcast and you listen on Apple Podcasts, feel free to give us a five-star rating and write a review. And for everyone else, we will be back with another episode soon. Thank you, Louisa. Thanks, Dad.